Welcome to the Rimfire Tactical Podcast. This is your host, Chris, from RimfireTactical.com. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Episode 70, everybody. 70 episodes in. Good grief. Who would have thought it? Uh, I can assure you that when this got started some time ago, that was more (laughs) of a hope or a dream or whatever you want to call it. I, uh, I really thought when... I started this podcast, I really felt like this was more of a, well, a friend of mine. He said, it sounds like it's therapy. It's a way for you to talk about guns without just typing about guns on a Facebook group or writing some articles or or um, some posts on Facebook or blogs or something like that. And you know what? He's kind of right. Um those of you that listen to this that actually know me in in person, you know, I've never at a loss for words. Definitely not somebody that is bashful about uh, sharing a joke or trying to help someone if they've got questions or uh, a problem or something. Uh, It's just who I am. And uh, I certainly do enjoy talking with folks. Um, it's, It's actually one of the reasons that in the real world, if you will, it's why I'm in sales and uh, it's why I enjoy working with people so much. So anyway, I'm just so grateful and humble for you guys. So for all of you that are returning listeners, thank you so much for continuing to listen. Um, for those of you that have not done this, please do go into whatever app you listen to the podcast through, whether it's iTunes or Podbean or Spotify, wherever, please do not only hit the subscribe button, but go ahead and give us a review. Give us a five-star review. Uh, That's how the uh, podcast platforms determine the, um, not really, it's not as much about the popularity, but the quality of the podcast and that's how they make the decisions or, or really their software makes the decision on which podcasts they're going to show to someone who's searching for a particular podcast. And like in this case, it might be someone who's searching for a podcast that's talking about shooting. Maybe it's about shooting competitions. Maybe it's they're talking about rim fires or who knows. Um, they could be looking for things specifically like NRL 22 or Steel Challenge, or maybe it's Voodoo Gunworks or Onshoots or CZ. You never really know, but the algorithms and the way that they work, it's the number of reviews as well as the number of subscribers and downloads. That's how they make their decision. And, you know, speaking of downloads, um, I'm just humbled, man. I mean, we're... Um, getting close, I think, to about 30,000 downloads now. And for some people, that's nothing. For some people, they get that in a day. Uh, Joe Rogan is a great example. I mean, he is like the goat when it comes to episodes and, and just podcasts in general. But um, in this particular case, especially with uh, us being as erratic as we have been in getting episodes out, I'm just so grateful for you guys. Now, if this is your first time listening... Thank you so much for tuning in, and just like I've made the request of those that are returning to subscribe as well as to uh, give us a review, please do those things, and you know, this is something that everyone can do as well. If you like the episode, share it. Share it on social media. Share it on your your favorite gun platform, Um, and when I'm talking platforms, really what I'm talking about there is forums. Um, you know, share it with your friends. Maybe it'll help somebody out. If nothing else, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very open about the mistakes that I've made in uh, terms of competition. I've also been very open and very candid about my reviews or uh, my experiences. I'm not real big on reviews per se, but, um, you know, I share the pros and the cons in terms of um, any equipment that I purchased. And that's everything from uh, rifles and handguns to optics, mounts, bipods, 
ammunition, you name it. Um, you know, we, I just believe in being very upfront because there's several times in the past where I have purchased something based off of really looking back, it was probably more about the advertising than it was any actual reviews. And, you know, frankly, a lot of the times it didn't live up to the hype, if you will. So I'm not real big on doing reviews because at the point that someone's asking you and specifically when they're paying you to do a review of their product, the expectation is that you're going to give them a favorable review. And if you're not sure about that, um, you can take my word for it or not. But for those of you that have been around for a bit, uh, especially if you're someone in your late 40s to early 50s and and you grew up at a, a point in time where <clears throat> the internet didn't exist and you didn't have podcasts, your only real way of learning about any new rifle or ammunition or optics or anything, your only real way of doing that was to buy gun magazines. I mean, as a kid growing up, I thought gun magazines and hunting magazines were like the coolest thing in the world. And I would beg my parents to subscribe uh, to them for me. And then when we would go to the grocery store, I would beg for uh, my mom to buy me any of the ones that we didn't have already. And I would literally read those things from cover to cover. I would read all the hunting articles and, and they were incredible at the time. You know, these legendary people like Jack O'Connor talking about his hunts to, to kill stone sheep or doll sheep or whatever. And, um, later on years and years later, um, yeah, people like Jim Carmichael, uh, who's actually a local shooter to me, um, and a neat fellow if you've ever had a chance to meet him, just a great guy. But Jim Carmichael was a shooting editor for Outdoor Life for years, and he would talk about guns. And um, Ross Seafried, and, and just, I could go on and on, all the way through to you know modern writers like Michael Shea and uh, uh, Craig Boddington and folks like that. And so... You know, gun magazines to me growing up were just so influential. Um, they shaped really the thoughts that I had about the types of rifles I wanted and the different types of hunting I would want to do. And um, actually, years and years later, some of you may remember this, but there was actually about, gosh, I guess at this point, it's at least 20 years ago. There was actually a magazine that came out for a short period of time called Gun Games. And Gun Games was a magazine totally devoted to competition shooting, but specifically it was more of your action style shooting, whether it was uh, USPSA or uh, IPSC, uh, three gun, just, you know, totally different types of competition than you normally would see in magazines. And I remember just thinking it was incredible. I mean, it was, it was a great magazine. They had great photography, really good interviews with shooters that you would know their name. Um, people like JJ or Kaza or, uh, one of the coolest interviews I remember <laughs> showing my age here, but, uh, this guy named Benny Cooley, um, but I mean, there's just been so many of them, Doug Canning. I mean, I could go on and on, but those magazines, they shaped so much of, of what I enjoyed, you know, about growing up and shooting and hunting and everything else. But what's interesting is, you know, things change. And if you look now, gun magazines, there aren't as many of them out as there used to be. And a lot of times what seems to happen and I'll be the first to admit, I don't buy them like I used to. Um, as a matter of fact, several years ago, a coworker of my wife, he mentioned at work that his son, who was stationed in, 
I want to say he was in Afghanistan, but I could be wrong. It could be that he was deployed into a, a different um, country over there. But, you know, he's over there defending America. He's fighting for freedom. And so he mentioned that he was going to be sending a care package over. And if anyone had anything they wanted to donate, you know, he would be happy to to take it because, you know, he'll get it shipped off to them. And so one of the things that he mentioned was that the guys were always looking for something to keep them occupied on their downtime. And um, specifically, he's like books or magazines. And so my wife came home and I knew something was up when she was so happy to share something about work with me. And uh, she was telling me about this specific scenario and the coworker and his son. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. What can we do to help? And she said, well, I'm glad you asked because up in your office, you know, you have stacks and stacks and even boxes full of magazines. So I was thinking that it might be really nice of you if you were to donate those to my coworker's son and the guys in, um, in his unit. And, you know, my wife is really subtle. She's really smart. Uh, sometimes she's not so subtle, but I had to laugh because she was right. I hadn't looked through those magazines in forever, but, um, it was almost like I was giving up a, a small piece of me because they had been so influential. And, and it's not that I'd ever technically like collected magazines. It just ended up with me having a lot of them. And so we did that. Um, I took those magazines, boxed them up. If I remember correctly, I think it was about a hundred pounds worth of magazines, but, um, you know, hopefully the guys, they enjoyed some of those and, um, definitely it made some space in, in my office again. And I really haven't, uh, purchased that many gun magazines since, but what's been interesting about it is through the years, what I had noticed happening was that you would still get some very real, very genuine articles in magazines where there would be, uh, you know, pros to a rifle or an optic or ammunition or whatever, but they would also share the negatives. You know, sometimes the ammunition, they just couldn't get it to perform well in, in multiple rifles. Sometimes they couldn't get a rifle to shoot that well. Um, you know, manufacturers, it used to be really common to claim like a, uh, you know, one and a half inch group at a hundred yards. And that was totally acceptable. Now in the days of the internet, you know, everybody's rifle shoots quarter minute groups at a uh, hundred yards all day long, dot, 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 as long as they do their part. But, uh, you know, th there used to be, uh, a lot of, of really upfront, honest, valuable feedback. And it seems like now what, at least in the articles, the few articles I've read through the years, you know, in the last five, six, 10 years, the trend has gone to much more of each article is highlighting all of the, um, the great things about a specific scope or handgun or rifle or whatever, um, doesn't really give you any negatives. And so it, it, it almost comes across often as it's just a paid for advertising piece. And so, you know, I'm sure to an extent, it's always been that way, but it just seems like several of the ones that come to mind most recently, it all you get is just paragraph after paragraph raving about how great um, it is, how smooth the bolt is, how incredibly accurate it is, how it fits, how it feels, you know, the finish, the, I mean, just you name it, um, it just seems like it's really put together as more of a, just a straight up um, advertising piece. And then when it comes to the gun reviews and things like that, um, and just reviews in general that you see on YouTube and, um, and then on some of the gun forums and things as well, you know, what's neat about those is some of those are sponsored. I mean, they, they'll straight up tell you, um, 
they're sponsored and and so you kind of know what you're to expect there and then you have the others the other folks that do reviews and some of those are man they're they're very upfront about you know i bought this and i was really expecting a lot out of it and it totally let me down and so what's interesting is some of those specifically um it's almost like some of the reviewers never give a positive review so while you have one side of the coin where everything is a is basically like a a uh, a puff piece if you will that's just you know totally all about uh, how great something is it's almost like some of the others are specifically there just to rip on everything my feeling has always been with not only this podcast but also with the facebook group which by the way if you're not a member of the rimfire tactical facebook group i would highly encourage you to head over uh, to that group and join here is a little uh, pro tip though when you request to join there's three simple questions that you have to answer if you don't answer those you will not get approved and if you are a member and you invite someone to join the group, explain to them that they have to answer the questions because if they don't answer the questions, they will not get approved. Um, I've had a couple of people that reached out to me and just got all bent out of shape because they were not allowed to join the group. And when I explained that, you know, hey, you didn't answer the questions, they were like, well, I shouldn't have to answer the questions. Do you know who I am? And to be blunt, a couple of those people, yep. I totally recognize their names. I even recognize their pictures. A lot of them, I don't have, I don't know them any better than they know me. I don't know who they are. But ultimately, it's like if you are too lazy or too, uh, yeah, lazy. That's 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 my take on it. Is you're just being lazy. But maybe your assumption is that you shouldn't have to answer those questions. In either case. That's probably not the attitude I'm looking to have in the group. We have a really good group that has a ton of people in it. We're almost at 20,000 people in the group. And the last thing that, that we're looking for is more attitude, ego, drama, anything like that. We've been really fortunate to, and we've worked at it, by the way, we've been really fortunate to keep a lot of that drama and uh, attitude and everything out of the group. And anytime we have someone that is asking for feedback, opinions, help, you'll see a lot of people jump in to help them, to give them advice on equipment, um, techniques. I mean, there's so much value in that group. So I can't say enough about it. But going back to talking about the podcast and the, uh, the, the Facebook group, like I said, we've, we don't have sponsors anything that's done in either place it's it's paid for out of my pocket when you hear me talk about different uh, rifles or handguns ammo some some um, accessories i'm going to be talking about today these none of this stuff gets donated none of it gets purchased and uh for us um i'm the guy paying for every bit of it and some of it works out really well some of it not so much and that's the reason that we don't do sponsorships because I want that ability to be able to tell you, hey, I thought this was going to be a really great rifle. If they can work out the kinks, it will be. But right now, it's not. And so, um, you know, just keep that in mind. Now, I will tell you, when we launch the forum, which hopefully we, it should have already happened, but uh, the web developers actually waiting on a couple things from me right now, so. Those will be getting knocked out over the weekend. But here's the thing. Um, we'll have some, some banners. We'll have some advertisers on the forum. Uh, the great thing about it, though, is we are, we're actually giving them ad space. We're going to give them ad space because they have been really influential in supporting rimfire shooting and the rimfire industry. And, you know, some of them, <laughs> all they make are rimfires, and that's okay. Now, if nothing else, uh, as someone made the comment the other day, 
you know, if it's your world, um, you get to play in it and do what you want. And, it, you know, the reality is the, the, the forum, that's my way of being able to give back a little bit to the companies that have been so influential in helping me enjoy shooting. And I'm not talking about them giving me money or giving me guns or ammo or scopes or anything like that. I'm talking about just, they make a great product. And so if it, if I don't have to worry about the rifle shooting well or the ammo shooting well, or the optic, you know, that, that scope, when, when I dial elevation and then I dial back down, I can trust it. I don't have to worry about it. Those are things that bring me great joy. And that way, when I'm shooting a match, if I shoot well, you know, and, and I perform well, I don't have, to, I know it's not the equipment that's letting me down. If I don't shoot well, that's a better way to say it or have a good performance in a match. I know the equipment didn't let me down. It's that I didn't get the job done and I need to work on my fundamentals. I need to work on my shooting. So with all that being said, I was going to share a little bit about some new accessories that I have added to one of my rifles. And uh, to be blunt, it, they're probably going to get moved from rifle to rifle from time to time. Um, just because one of them in particular kind of, kind of on the pricey side for what it is. But uh, for me, it, it's been really um, a, a great addition. So for any of you folks that have any eyesight issues, uh, maybe you're like me and you've had great vision in the past, but as you're getting a little older, maybe the hair is getting a little gray and your vision's starting to go a little bit. One of the things that I've realized is that my vision is still really good. You know, if I'm looking way out there, actually, my vision's really good at, at arm's length. But as I get closer and everything gets blurry and, and it's, you know, progressively getting worse. So when I shot a match and I believe it was in February of this year, there was a stage where you had 10 targets, a two minute time frame to shoot them in. And all 10 targets were at different distances. And they started, I believe, around 20 or 25 yards, if I remember correctly. It may have even been closer, maybe 18. And those targets went all the way out to 300 and I think it was like 313 or something like that. So there was a lot of movement, uh, not really moving left and right. The targets were more or less within a um, fairly straight row going all the way out. But what they were is on the range that we were shooting from the firing position, the closer targets were actually downhill a little bit. And then some of the targets were more leveled out. And then the last few targets you were having to aim, um, aim at an angle up. So, there was a lot of up and down movement to get the rifle in position for the targets. And in addition to that, of course, there was a lot of dialing elevation and you did go from near to far. So, you know, on those close targets, it was really easy to be um, dialed in and ready to go. But then um, the first, I think the first three maybe went from like 18 or 20 yards to um, I think the third one, if I remember correctly, was pushing somewhere around 46 or 48 yards. But um, the fourth one was like at 68 and, and they just kept going from there. So it was really easy to, to hold for some of these shots. But um, each time that I would fire around and then run the bolt to move and move to the next target, I noticed that as I would raise my head up a little bit to make sure I was dialing the correct elevation in. I noticed I was having a hard time making out the, you know, looking at the, the elevation turret. I was, I was having a hard time making out the, the dot or the, uh, the hash marks. And I found myself really costing myself time. And I did actually time out on that stage my last shot broke about a half second after the timer went off. <clears throat> but what happened to me is 
I noticed that I was having to, instead of just raise my head up on the, off of the stock a little bit so I could see, I found myself having to raise my head up and then push backwards away from the gun to get my eye farther away from the elevation turret to be able to see what I was doing. And, you know, it, it was weird to me, but I hadn't really noticed that before and frankly didn't really notice it at any other point during the match, but it kept bothering me because that's the stage that I know I can shoot. I know I can shoot it well. Um, and I know I can get things done in a timely manner there, but yet it really just, it, it frustrated me because I couldn't figure out how I could or would have to come off a gun like that. So fast forward to, you know, the next few months shooting different matches. And one of the things that I kept noticing was, man, I'm, I'm having a little bit of a harder time, you know, finding those hash marks. Everything's a little blurry. And so I realized I'm either going to have to figure out a way to wear glasses or I'm going to have to figure out a way to do something so that I can see this, this elevation turret better. And what I just happened across, I mean, pure dumb luck. And I think, you know, actually now that I'm, I'm thinking back, it may have been that somebody had shared a picture of a rifle that had this on it, or maybe something about was mentioned about it uh, in the Rimfire Tactical Facebook group. But at any rate, I ended up finding a, um, a product that is available from MK Machining. And this isn't like, you know, I'm promoting them, but I'm a big fan of great stuff. So MK Machining, they offer what they call a turret magnifier. And essentially what this is, is a, uh, it's a polymer or I guess 3D printed. It seems like a lot of the stuff, if I remember correctly, most of the stuff that they offer uh, at MK Machining, it's uh, 3D printed. And I've ordered things from them before, um, things like uh, throw levers. Sorry, had to take a little COVID coffee there. Um, so we've had, um, I've ordered some, some throw levers from them before um, on the Macaulay's K5-25. It's got the parallax wheel uh, at the bottom of the elevation turret. And so they make a, a parallax wheel. It's like a, um, um, it's a better option. It makes it easier for you to spin the, um, the parallax. So we've got um, several different things through the years that I've ordered from MK Machining. But I happened to notice that they had a, um, this turret magnifier and the way that it works is that it um, has a polymer ring that essentially mounts around the tube of your scope and they've got them gosh I think in just about everything uh, you know what let's just look and then that way I'm not guessing but uh, they've got them for uh, scope tubes anywhere from a one inch size to 30 millimeter, 34, 35, 36, and 40 millimeter. So you're going to cover every scope out there. I mean, you know, there's tons of scopes that are one inch and 30 millimeter or have either one inch or, or 30 millimeter tubes. A lot of the scopes, um, most of your night force, your Schmidt and Benders, um, Collis, a lot of loopholes, you know, have 34 millimeter tubes. But then you got like the 35 millimeter for your, uh, well, Vortex is the one that comes to mind, but I'm sure there's some others. And then you have like a 36 millimeter, which uh, the Zico, the zero comp scopes, um, they're a 36 millimeter tube. And, and then on the 40 millimeter, I'm sure there's some others that are out there, but I know IOR makes one. Um, as a matter of fact, a real good friend of mine's got one and uh, it's a big sucker, man. It's, it's a big old uh, scope tube, but this, uh, this turret magnifier, the way that it works is it has a ring that goes around the scope body and there's a screw that holds the ring together, the top and bottom, and um, you can tighten it you know, to keep it in place. Um, and then there's another ring on top of it 
And they had a, another version that had more of a, like almost, I jokingly called it like a windshield type uh, layout. So it was a curve, it was curved at the top, curved at the bottom, but it was much wider. Uh, but uh, that one seems to be either no longer offered. It's been out of stock on their website for some time. So um, this Gen 2 Pro Series turret magnifier that I've got, you have the ring that goes around the scope tube, and then you have another uh, ring, if you will, at the top above that, that uh, has a three power magnification lens in it. And so what's, what's neat about it is it's designed to mount between the elevation turret and your magnification ring on your scope. And, you know, depending on the scope mouse that you have and the scope that you're using, you may have plenty of room to move it forward or back. You may not have very much room at all. And that's just one of those things that, you know, you'll have to figure out how to make that work. But I ordered one of these because I thought, man, if that works as well as I think it will, it would be really, really helpful. And, you know, frankly, now that I've used it for a bit, I used it in the last PRS match I shot, um, I've been really impressed by it. The one thing that I have noticed that would, would probably make it a little better for me is uh, the scopes that I have put it on are all in spur mounts. And if you're not familiar with spur mounts, a lot of your scope rings, some of them may be as narrow as maybe, um, well, I was going to say a quarter inch. There's some, but not nothing for a, a, you know, a bigger scope is going to be like a quarter inch. But a lot of your scope rings are maybe a half inch wide at the, at the most. But when you get into a lot of the tactical rings, it's not uncommon that those rings may be covering a good inch of um, scope tube and the spur mount covers, I haven't measured it, but I'm guessing it's about an inch. And so what ends up happening is I've got this MK machining turret magnifier mounted on the body of the scope, but it is a good inch to maybe an inch and a quarter, inch and a half away from the turret itself. If I could get it closer to the elevation turret, I think it would be even better. But, you know, to be frank, I'm not taking that, uh, my scopes out of those mounts because those mounts are bulletproof. They're fantastic. I love them. And, um, and this magnifier has worked very, very well. So what it has allowed me to do is to be able to go back to the same form that I used before I started having issues with my eyes. I'm down on the gun, you know, I fire the shot as I'm working the bolt. I raise as soon as I, um, you know, eject the round, I raise up. I'm now looking through that turret magnifier so I can see all the hash marks on my scope again, very clearly. I dial what needs to be dialed, face back on the gun, close the bolt, aim and fire. So it's been a really nice addition to my rifle. Um, I actually ordered a few of them, but uh, I've got a really good friend of mine that has, he's just, he's a great guy. He's somebody that I enjoy shooting with. And uh, he's really jumped headfirst into rim fires. He's always been a, a fan of quality guns and optics, but had not shot a lot of rim fire until the last couple of years. And he's really taken to it and has just some fantastic rifles and, and scopes. And so um, I decided, you know, I was like, man, this, this will help him as well because like myself, his eyes aren't quite as good now as they used to be. So I'll end up ordering a few more of these just so I don't have to move from, move them from, you know, rifle to rifle. Um, but um, it has definitely been a huge improvement for me. Now, the other thing that I, added to that rifle as well. Um, scope levels are one of those things that, you know, there's tons of people who swear by them. There's tons of people who will tell you they're junk. Um, and, um, 
and they have solid arguments. Both of them do. And for those of you who know Frank Galley is, Frank is like the OG. He is the godfather when it comes to gun forums. Um, and really, even in the podcast world, uh, his uh, podcast, The Everyday Sniper, man, they passed, I think, a million downloads in maybe less than a year, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, Frank is just an awesome guy with a ton of knowledge and uh, experience. And Frank will tell you that levels are, you know, they're a fad. Um, or, well, no, 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 no. Let me rephrase that. I don't want to put words in Frank's mouth, but go listen to the podcast or, or you know, read some of what he's written about uh, levels. He makes a great argument for why he feels the way he does. I can't tell you that I feel one way or the other about them because at the end of the day, I've shot for years without a level. But, um, you know, it is kind of a little Gucci thing that a lot of people add to their rifles at this point. For me, though, one of the challenges that I run into is uh, going back to my vision. I can't see as well now at anything that's up close as I could in the past. So having a bubble level hanging off of my scope or a scope rail or wherever, you know, a little bubble level just, frankly, doesn't do any good for me. I mean, I, I shoot with both eyes open most of the time. So if I could see it and make it out clearly to see, hey, my rifle is level, then it would be great. But the reality of it is I can't see it. I can't, I can't distinguish where that bubble is. And so the guy I was talking about that's a friend of mine that just really jumped into rimfire shooting over the last year or so, he decided to purchase a send it level. And so for those of you that have seen these in the past, uh, and I know people feel differently about them. Some people love them. Some people hate them. I'm not here promoting or anything. I'm just telling you my experience. The send it levels, what they do is, I guess they have the internal, I don't know, leveling software. I don't know. You can read all the descriptions. I'm not the tech guy. I'm not really big on all the details. I'm just, I'm really big on if it helps me or not. But my buddy Jeremy, he had picked this thing up and um, he specifically had seen where the Sendit levels traditionally, they, they come with a Picatinny mount. And that Picatinny mount is designed to go directly onto a Picatinny rail. And when you tighten it down, the level is sticking out more, well, it may be reversible, I'm not sure, but it's traditionally on the right hand or uh, uh, bolt on the right side of the gun, right-handed rifle, uh, the send it level would mount on the Picatinny rail sticking out on the left side of the gun. The downside of something like that is, of course, when you go to put that rifle into any kind of a case or you lay it on its side or anything, that level is now propping it up. So it's not, you know, maybe not the best scenario for it. But what my buddy Jeremy had seen was that the send it level, also there's an option for a mount that will mount into two of the open screws on the spur mounts. And so what that does is the mounting plate goes into two screws or screw holes at the rear of a spur mount. And then the send it level itself will mount vertically. Now, if you're not familiar with the send it level, it has five lights and they go from top to bottom or left to right, you know, depending on how you have it mounted. There are two blue lights. There is one green light and then there are two red lights. So if you have your or this um, send it level mounted on your rifle and I haven't put it on one of my rifles where it would be mounted uh, horizontally or, or directly to a Picatinny rail. I've only got mine set up the exact way that Jeremy has his, which is on the spur mount. But what happens is you put that on the rifle and then if you're canting um, left, 
I believe, if I remember correctly, if you're canting left, I believe it's the blue lights that light up. If you're canting right, it's the red lights that light up. And if you have the rifle level, the green light in the center is the one that's lit. For me, because I can't see the levels, I mean, if I could, I, I would be fine with it. Hell, I've got, um, I've got a couple rifles that have a spur mount on them, which if you're not familiar with spurs, the spur mounts actually have a level in them. Now, I think it's great for maybe leveling a scope or something like that or helping you level a scope, but um, they're not very usable, at least not from my standpoint, because when I'm on the rifle, I can't get my face or my eyes down low enough to see the spur mount because, or, or the level in the spur because the level is at the very bottom where the spur attaches to the rail. But again, it's there and um, you know, it, it's, it's there. So I've got rifles that have a spur mount. So they have a level there. Then there is a level, a bubble level that's attached to the tube of the scope. And uh, something that's interesting, and I never paid attention to it until I heard Frank Galley talking about it. So that's the reason I give Frank so much credit. Um, I've seen some videos that Frank has shared where you can have two or three or four or five levels that are all sitting there. They're all mounted on the same scope or they're all sitting flat on the same board or whatever. And as you twist it left or right, some bubbles move faster than others. Some show that there's more cant than others. And, um, you know, I can totally see where inconsistency in that, you know, would, would help someone come to the conclusion that there's no benefit to it. From my standpoint, uh, especially as I've started to shoot a little bit more, I'm just all about, you know, hey, if it's something that, that can help me a little bit, I'm willing to try it. If nothing else, if it works out great, I'm able to tell you guys, hey, here's a really cool product I found. If it doesn't work out that great, I'm able to tell you guys, hey, here's something I tried. I didn't have the best results with it. Your results may vary, but I'm just giving you some firsthand experience from somebody that has no uh, no affiliation whatsoever and you know went to the same website and bought it uh, myself that, that you could go to and buy it. So... Ultimately, um, after checking out Jeremy's, I decided I would go ahead and order one of these things as well. And what I can tell you is, for me, the combination of that MK machining turret magnifier combined with the send it level, it has helped me tremendously in terms of being able to see what I'm dialing and make sure that I'm dialing the, the correct dope. It's also, um, with that level, it has made, it's helped me be more conscious of not canting the rifle. And I know a lot of people are really adamant about cant and they're like, Hey, I just locked down my, my Harris bipod. I've got a pod lock and I'll lock that sucker down so that it won't let me cant the rifle. Or they've, um, maybe they use an Atlas and they torque down, uh, the can, uh, can't feature there. Or maybe they even buy the, I think that it, it may even be MK Machining. There's someone who makes a um, um, a wrench for the Atlas bipod so you can put even more pressure on that uh, cant wheel so it won't, won't allow you to cant the rifle. I know that a lot of people do that. I've done it. And sometimes it works great. Sometimes not so much. Maybe I, I just didn't get it as tight as I thought I did. But what I can tell you from my experience is that there are definitely times when I've been shooting and especially when I'm focused on the time and the targets and dialing and running the bolt and really making sure I don't time out and I get all the shots off. There are absolutely times where as I finished the stage and, and got up off the rifle, I look down and it's severely canted. Almost always it's canted to the right. It's canted to the right because I'm a right-handed shooter. So my face is on the gun on the left side. You know, it's pushing, um, even though I'm not really big on just, you know, putting a ton of weight on the, the stock, I'm, I'm putting weight on the left side of the stock at the top, which is going to inherently push the top of the rifle that way. It's going to push it to the right. I'm also running the bolt on the right side and 
uh, in the past, I have been really, um, I'm a, I tend to shoot fast, which is something I've figured out is probably costing me some points. So I'm, I'm focused on slowing that down, but I've also been really fast at, you know, cycling the bolt. And it's one thing when you're cycling it, um, taking your time, but if you're running the bolt really fast, you're slapping it up, which should counteract uh, a little bit of the weight that you're putting on it with your face. But then as soon as you pull it back, eject the round, drive the bolt home and close it. You know, I've, I've watched video of myself and I've watched a lot of other shooters, you know, you each shot, the rifle gets canted just a little bit more. And so, uh, you know, when you're shooting these longer distance targets, that little bit of cant can make a big difference. So for me, the fact that I can, I can't see the bubble, but I can make out lights and I can make out the color of the lights. You know, if it's, if it's red, I'm candid. If it's blue, I'm candid. If it's green, I'm good. And so that has been a huge benefit for me. Um, it, it take, it's one more way of taking some guessing out of the game, if you will. Now, to give you some perspective, because you might be saying, man, this sounds awesome. Uh, you know, just so you're not getting sick or shocked. All right. Those MK um, machining turret magnifiers on their website, they're like 35 bucks plus some tax and shipping. You know, not terribly expensive. Um, you know, it's, it's 3D printed. Um, I can tell you the one that I've got right now that I've been using, I do have to be, I need, I really, I guess, need to go ahead and tighten it up some more, but, um, it is, it's just a hair loose. And so I've caught a couple of times where, when I went to adjust the scope, I actually hit the, um, magnifier with like the palm of my hand or something as I'm reaching up to, to dial and I've ended up moving it, you know, off center. It's, it's either rotated left or it's rotated right a little bit. So I need to tighten that up a little bit. Uh, I'm assuming if I get it tight enough, it'll, it will stay in place. Um, but again, you know, for less than 50 bucks, if you've got some aging eyes, it's a really good way to um, kind of bring that back where you can see what you're doing and not have to question it as much. Um, when it comes to the send it level, uh, I believe I paid, I want to say it was about, um, I think by itself, I believe the send it level is like maybe two, 225 or maybe 250. You're throwing in another, uh, I think it's around 25 bucks for the, um, the, the mounting bracket for the spur mount. And then uh, you know, depending on what website you're ordering it from, you're going to have shipping. Um, I ordered mine from mile high, so they charge sales tax. So, you know, when it's all said and done, I mean, I've got probably $325 in this thing. So that to me is, is really expensive for what it is when I could go out and, you know, buy some cheap bubble level for 10 bucks. But at the same time, because I can't see that bubble level and I can see this and I can move this from rifle to rifle. You know, like, like I mentioned before, I'm going to end up picking up a few more of the MK turret magnifi magnifiers because they're not overly expensive and there's a big benefit to it. Uh, on the send it level, that's probably going to be the one that I've got um, because if I'm going to move it from one rifle to the next, I've, I've already, the, the matches or the rifles that I would put it on that I'm shooting comps with, you know, different rimfire matches or whatever, most of them have a spur mount. So I could absolutely take it off of the voodoo that it's on and put it on another one. Um, if I needed to put it on a different rifle and it didn't have a spur mount, it does come with a Picatinny mount. And so uh, I could just simply put it on the Picatinny rail. So I see that as more of uh, an item that, you know, I would buy one of those and move it from rifle to rifle where the others, it just makes sense to me to have, you know, one on each rifle that's getting used a lot. Um, so a little bit longer uh, episode than I had originally planned, because like I said, I just want to talk about those couple of products. 
that uh, I picked up that I've been really pleased with. And, you know, for, for a lot of us, we've been shooting for a long time. Um, and what's really interesting for me and in, in talking with several of my friends that I shoot with, a lot of those guys have worn glasses for years. I'm talking from the time they were in elementary school. So for them, they, you know, one guy in particular, he's like, you know, that magnifier thing's pretty cool. I, I could see a benefit to that. But he's like, you know, this other thing, you know, that's lighted up like a Christmas tree. He's like, I don't see the benefit of it. And then he said, but of course I can see my levels. And so he doesn't shoot competition. He doesn't deal with a time limit that he's trying to get, you know, multiple targets hit. And, um, you know, a majority of his shooting is done from the bench. Um, now he's not a bench rest shooter by any stretch, but I mean, he's shooting from a bench out to however far, whether he's shooting at a local range or if he's out West on a prairie dog hunt, you know, he's typically shooting from a bench. So for him, you know, there's no timelines or time limits to try to work with. There's no, um, sense of urgency per se, because if you've ever shot prairie dogs, if you don't get to shoot one, don't worry. In about three seconds, there's going to be another one that's going to pop up somewhere. So there is no lack of, of targets available. So anyway, I hope that's helpful for you guys. If you have any questions uh, or comments, feel free to uh, reach out over in the Rimfire Tactical Group uh, on Facebook. Uh, send a, a message there or post and just you know, ask some questions about it. I'm happy to tell you what I've been able to to figure out or learn about these products. Um, if you have, you can also uh, reach out by um, sending an email to contact at rimfiretactical.com. And then um, lastly, if you haven't headed over to the rimfiretactical.com website, definitely check it out. There is a place where you can sign up for updates and um, those updates will be anything from letting you know uh, the status of the forum to um, we're going to have some swag coming out, some different things like that. Uh, you're not getting spammed. You're not getting your email sold to any place or anything like that. It's just a way for us to keep you up to date on anything that is uh, happening with Rimfire Tactical or the website or the Facebook group. So that's it for this week's episode. Hope you guys have a great day. Go out, shoot fast, shoot often, have fun. Cheers.